Welcome to the Sandoval Insider Podcast. Gavin and I are joined by Mary Rodriguez at the Hyatt Hotel in San Diego, and we thought we'd discuss the topic, will advertising be dead by 2025? So Gavin, do you want to discuss why this topic, why do you believe um, advertising might be dead by 2025? Yeah, so at Sandoval, as I said before we started recording, we work with a lot of agencies, and we've seen the following problem that the content they're putting out there isn't getting as much engagement as it used to. They're struggling to show an ROI. And they're up against the world of constant interruptions. Um, algorithms are designed to keep them, keep people in the feed, whereas we're trying to drive advertising to get them away from the feed. So they, they really aren't seeing many results from the advertising and from the content they're putting out there. So what happens is, obviously, they try advertising, engagement rises for a while, but doesn't convert to revenue for the businesses. And people are getting better at ignoring ads. That's what we've seen. So the ad blockers, increased in usage of ad blockers recently. So they really are struggling to get people to pay attention to their content, tried advertising, tried everything, but no one's actually listening to them. What we're finding now is people used to vote with their wallets, now they vote with their attention. So the whole question here is, do we think advertising has a place in the next five years, five, 10 years? Or is it all about building trust, being authentic, being real? And I guess in a world where trust is everything, do you think ads are still effective or can people see right through them? What are your thoughts, Mary? Yeah, hi. So just uh, for a little context, if you hear this background noise, we're having breakfast and uh, coffee's good. All is great. Um, there may be food in my teeth. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, so this is a great question. And I think it's a, it's a very important question. It's a very relevant question, especially when you think of agencies and what they've been doing for the past you know, decades, uh, the past 25 years, I, I would say, when PR began and, and, the, and the process of how agencies enabled um, these adverts to land in a special place. They was, you know, they, they had control of where they landed, how they landed, uh, and it was really good because they had a, a position of uh, advantage with the media that they got. You know, they would pitch a story and it landed well. With the social media movement, with the birth of social media, with the newer generation, which is now going to take over the buying power uh, in the next few years, which is Gen Z. Uh, I did a trends report. It's called uh, Unobvious Trends. Uh, I actually did it for my book. And uh, it was a three-month research around how this new generation, being that they're tech natives, being that they understand the ads, understand the products, um, they are the ones that before they even consider a product, they'll have you know, they'll talk to their friend about it and say, hey, have you bought this? Do you know who's bought this? Before they even go and look at the product. So they are very savvy and they don't want to be told what to do or what to buy. And so they're, they're adverse to this uh, idea of, um, of ads and commercials. With this in consideration, one of the things that we are seeing is that there is opportunity to continue the ad, um, ads with an empathy approach. So it's going to be led by exactly by technology and how we use this technology. Uh, the research that I found was that this generation is very in tune with, do they want to be friends with the brand? Not, not is the brand human, I think we're past that, is they better be human. Now, do I like them as a human? Uh, do they have attributes that I like about them? Do they have a voice uh, in social activism? Not only, not only is it just a stance, do they have a voice? So we're seeing a lot of brands that are tuning into this idea uh, they're winning in the marketplace, no matter the industry, because they have understood that 
it's an emotional buying approach at the consideration level for the product. So if a brand is using technologies such as immersive technology like HoloLens, using gaming, for example, using all these new platforms that we're seeing, video is now kind of like what used to be email, if you will. Yeah. Um, so it's past that, I, you know, we got to get into the newer technologies and thinking how brands, how agencies can use these new technologies to enter the space where these new generations are and present themselves as human uh, and talk about things that matter to them. They do care about politics. They do care about the environment. And how the brand shows up with these very uh, relevant topics to them will make them tune in. Uh, and that's the opportunity when a brand can say, and by the way, our products is being, are being at the design phase to help you know, the economy or to help social environment and, and those kind of things. Uh, just some background on what you do. So I know that you obviously work at Microsoft. Can you tell the listeners how you got into brand storytelling, where it all came about, and kind of what you do for Microsoft right now? Yeah, so now I have a bagel in my mouth, just to let you know. <laughs> I thought you were going to talk a little longer. That's fine. <laughs> so yes, I'm a storyteller at Microsoft, and I, I came in um, at a time where Microsoft itself is going through a digital transformation, and that also forces a cultural transformation. So about around five years ago, our CEO, Satya, took our very mission of a PC on every desk in every home and said, okay, We've been product driven for all this time and that's great, it's worked out for us. But now the Googles of the world are here, the, you know, the uh, Facebooks of the world, the Amazons. How do we stay relevant? Um, so he switched the narrative. It's the storytelling that really switched the narrative going from a PC and every desk and every home to empower every per person and organization on the planet. Our narrative changed, our, sto our brand story changed and it provoked us to look at why we come to work as an employee differently. How do we treat our partners and our customers and our end users? And so he started this movement. We brought storytellers from many places. I came from Florida in different functions of Microsoft. Um, there's actually 400 of us in HQ, 4,000 worldwide. So there's a lot of storytellers. I'm not the only one. We have a chief storyteller as well who came from UK and he was doing blogging and they brought him over to HQ to really lead this effort. So the idea behind having storytellers is to really connect and have this human-to-human -human connection driven by empathy. So we talk a lot about empathy. I talk a lot about empathy. Uh, it was a new concept for me. I didn't know I wasn't empathetic, by the way. There's, that's a thing. It's not an attribute I possess. I had to actually hone it and build it. Uh, so I've been building it. And so I set out to do this in the AI and data spaces um, in engineering. So I was in engineering talking to engineers and trying to find stories to tell about our personal corporate digital transformation and what they were doing in this space, so it was very hard. So just what you were saying about the next generation, what do you think their beliefs about, or how do you think they feel about influencer marketing? Yeah, so um, I actually, not only am I in this space because I now work with interns, and I have, I'm have I'm a mother of two teenagers, so one is 16 and the other one's 18, and they are my barometer on everything I do related to marketing, to ads, to book signings, to anything, uh, and they tell me the truth, right? They're like, mom, <laughs> and they keep me really good. Um, so. Influencer marketing comes from two spaces. One, they actually respect self-made influencers. They respect those influencers that have, they've seen grow their organic audience, especially on YouTube um, and places like TikTok, and places like um, gaming um, platforms, um, and they follow them and they connect with them. The one thing that they appreciate about them, back to the social stance, is once these influencers have gathered a, you know, an audience, what do they do with that next? They lose respect for those who have uh, leveraged the opportunity to make a lot of money 
and then move on or sell themselves out, if you will, uh, to a bigger company or go work for a company after they've been self-made. Um, so they are following their journey from a very, uh, they almost see their reflection of what could I, uh, could I do that? Uh, and if the answer is yes, they respect the influencer. So is, there is a space for those influencers, even nano influencers who are still working their space and, and be acting organic and really being feels authentic to them. They do listen to them. Um, but again, it's not just about the product. They want to know how they feel about specific things. So they ask them questions. How do you feel about this? How do you feel about that? And they want the opportunity for the influencer to also answer them. So those influencers that are taking time to do a Q&A, those are influencers who do a giveaway, um, they feel personally connected to these influencers. If they connect to them and the influencer does not respond, they will, they will chastise them at that point. So it needs to feel authentic. And do you think it actually does lead to sales, influencer marketing? Absolutely. Everything leads to sales because it's emotional. We respond emotionally to sales and then we rationalize it with logic. We get that. Um, in the talks that I do, it's so funny. In this industry, we know this as a, as a theory and then we forget that it works. And so I play a video that it's like actually a low, lo-fi video and it's an ad from a, a life insurance company. It just works, right? And then the people end up walking away crying like, oh my gosh. I'm like, we know it works, but then we forget to do it. So yes, absolutely. If the influencer... If the company, if the agency is able to tune into that emotional approach, I call that a universal truth, a truth that we all understand. For example, we all know what sadness look like, looks like. We know happiness. I don't have to explain that. I don't have to explain empowerment. No matter where we came from, I don't have to tell you what that is. You know what it is because it's a core human emotion. If it appeals to one of those emotions, we're going to tune in immediately. It's a response that we have because at the core human level is what we do. So yes, there's opportunity, but it can't feel that we're doing it. A, a brand, when we tune into a brand that's doing it, we know they're gonna sell something in the end, we get that. But we wanna feel that they've made friends with us first and then they kind of offer their services and their products as an extension of this relationship we're building, not as the very first thing. Um, so you were saying about Microsoft trying to build a brand that feels human and authentic. How can you do that? Like you have to put the people at the forefront of the company. Like how do you actually go about building a human brand and helping people to connect with a brand that feels human? What are some tactics you could use to kind of do that? Yeah, I'm actually going to talk about that yeah. uh, today actually. Yeah, the how-to is really important. Um, yes, there's it's yes to everything. It's, it depends on your company. It depends on your culture of your company. But ideally, you do put people at the front and the people that are at the front of the service that we offer, right? So in my case, engineers. Engineers you know, try getting a podcast from an engineer, right? Like, it's not going to happen. Uh, it's really rare. Uh, congratulations if you ever get to. But I, I was in this space, right? And it, they would not give me stories. I spent three months trying to get stories. And I know they had them. I mean, they're building these, yeah. these uh, products. They're building the service. They're at the forefront of the heart of our company and technology. So I, I failed. I failed time and time again. And finally, I realized two things. The first one is I needed to come from an angle of the why. I sat with one of these engineers that refused to give me stories and I said, hey, let's just pause real quick. Can you just tell me why you're here? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, why are you here at Microsoft doing what you do, not at Google, not in another country? Why are you here, right? And then his eyes widened and he's like, well, I came from India. And he tells me his story. And I was like, okay, great. I'm like, I realized in that moment that he, as Microsoft was going through a digital transformation, he was going through a personal transformation. He was an engineer, was thinking, wow, what happens when we move everything to the cloud? What does my job look like? 
Yeah. And then I understood there's a whole lot of engineers doing the same thing, thinking the same thing. So I said, hey, can I ghostwrite your story? And then you can tell it. It's yours. So mm -hmm. we did a lot of ghostwriting, and it just landed so well because it was from engineers to engineers. It was his story, mm -hmm. and nobody could tell it better, but he wasn't going to write it. So, yes, find mechanisms that you put people at the forefront, that people that are willing to, obviously. Yeah. But th that's what humanizes the brand. We get to know the people behind the technology, the humans of IT, if you will, right? And that, it, when you talk about a, a service rep, uh, you know, when you're talking about a customer service person, when you're talking about somebody who sits at the store, mm -hmm. uh, those are the people. Those are the people. So if you can get those stories and ask them the question why, uh, yeah. you're going to get the story. You are. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I was actually watching this um, Gary V keynote yeah. a couple weeks ago where he said that with AI and things like Amazon Alexa, Google Home, those kinds of uh, devices. So you'll, you'll say to your device, where's the best lawyer in my area? And it'll give you one response. But what, what, what he says you have to build is a place where you can say, give me the law firm XYZ. So you have the brand awareness already. How do you create a memorable brand using those techniques that you mentioned? Like, what, what can an agency or a business do, yeah. business owner, to help create a memorable brand story? Yeah, you know, so the, the encoding of memory to stories uh, has a lot to do with the lived experiences that everyone has. Uh, example, we're all at this table right now. We're going to remember this differently because you have a different experience than I do. And we are living this experience differently. So AI put, helps the connectivity to bring a kind of a big picture approach to what happened. If AI, for example, were to talk to us uh, two months from now and say, hey, remember that breakfast you had and bring me your perspective and her, I, I'm not seeing your perspective, but it knows your perspective and it knows mine. Uh, it's able to bring up a, a kind of um, a, an amalgamation of memories that come together and brings you the big picture. So how can companies do this? So AI, what it's doing, it's connecting uh, IoT, like the Internet of Things, yeah. it's making these connections and building patterns. So it's saying, hey, Miri met with Martin today. They may be friends. They exchanged a couple of emails. Uh, this is all living in the cloud. The emails live in the cloud. So it may it may say later on, hey, you know, it's been a couple of weeks. Haven't you know? Haven't you talked to her for a while? Go connect with her, and it'll remind me, right? So AI is acting as an assistant to our empathy if we look at it that way. So if agencies and brands are able to leverage this technique to be empathetic, to remind us to stay human in the process, we will be able to win with staying connected with these, um, you know, with humans, these Gen Zs, that all they look for is that emotional connection. We forget time to time, and we will be focused on the bottom line. AI will definitely help us, ironically enough, to stay human in this space. So it seems nowadays that um, so many people have ad blockers installed and obviously valuable ads are getting lost and not gaining any attention. What do you think the best way for these companies to be noticed? How can they use storytelling to be noticed? Yeah, so ads are going to serve um, as reminders of what the brand stands for. So um, consumers are being bombarded by content. Uh, they are blocked. You know, there's ad blockers. We don't see them. We make the algorithms change all the time. So it's really important to remind brands that they have to have a theme to their story. At Microsoft, our theme is empowerment. That's also a universal truth. That's what we stand for. That's what we are. That's also the feeling we want to evoke from people. We want to say, hey, are you feeling empowered by our brand, by our services? When we decide to do an advert, 30 seconds, whatever the case may be, it might be a product. It might be specific to the product, but if we have to always check it against the theme. Does this advert make people feel empowered? And if it does, even if it's strictly driven by a product or a person or whatever the angle may be of the ad, 
it reminds people, oh, there's Microsoft. Oh, they're talking about empowerment again. Oh, they they want to empower me. So the consumer recognizes. So the consumer is weaving the brand story through the many facets of the journey. So an ad, an email, a customer service rep, they all represent the story at the, at the end, at the brand story. So storytelling really becomes what is that weaving of the theme? So the ads will have to match that or, or they will be dissonant to the story. So that's when we find a lot, for example, we're seeing now that people are tuning into emotional ads, uh, it's disparate to the brand. And, and so people are like, wait, wait a minute, that's like, you know, is that a beer commercial? So they don't get it because the beer didn't stand for that before. The brand has to first do the groundwork of selecting what their, their brand story will be about, establishing that in the market, and going with that in every single ad. So ads will have a place, they may get past the algorithms if, they continue to talk about the theme of the story. People still tune in. I'm like, oh, there's Microsoft reminding me again how they're empowering the world, right? And that's how it's going to work. So do you think, so based on what you say now, do you think there's a place for sort of sales targeted ads or when ad is focused on actually selling a product? Does that still work alongside those brand storytelling kind of ads? Yeah, with, with a lot of, I just have to be careful, right? So the sales yeah. need to not feel like they're a sale transaction. They yeah. can't feel transactional. So the way to best do that, when you're thinking, for example, uh, when I look at, the store of the future and AI-empowered uh, stores. So we're mm. seeing a lot of uh, ways that we're going to, as a consumer, you're going to probably walk into a Target or a Walgreens or a, you know, a, a store. It, it'll be a lot of AI telling you, hey, this guy has been here before. He probably comes and buys you know, beer. So do we have stock on beer? And, mm. and you would probably get in, you know, in your, I don't know, Target app, hey, Next time you go to Target, here's a coupon yeah. for beer, right? Because they learned that that's, not what, that's what you do. Yeah. So you're not being told, hey, go to Target because we have a 30% sale off. It's going to be like, hey, here's your coupon for your beer. We learned you like beer at Target. So that's where the sale opportunity will come in. It will be empathy-driven, human-driven, mm -hmm. and very individual, and AI will enable that. Brilliant. And um, so as I said before we started, something I've done at Sendable is introduce this new sort of vision and values and mission and obviously brand and storytelling. How can a CEO of another company or a founder of another company actually measure the impact of crafting a story for your brand? Like, yeah. how do you measure this? Yeah, so um, reach and engagement will be probably the main two metrics for measuring impact because storytelling is emotional in essence. You'll get an immediate response if the story lands well, and you won't if it doesn't. So, and people mm. will organically engage. The example I give is at Microsoft. We don't have, we were in engineering, we didn't have any ad uh, funding at all. We're not marketing, we were not on the brand side. We're in engineering. Um, we have a place called IT Showcase, um, where Microsoft IT Showcase, where our stories live, uh, evergreen stories, but we don't, we don't advertise them, we don't have them, the money. And so these stories that we were writing, these ghost blogs that we continue to write, just to give you an idea, we would get around about around 125,000 views in this website from IT pros to IT pros. So they know where to find it. It's a how-to's. Have, we have videos. We have um, white papers, all kinds of stuff. Um, with these stories that we were landing, we went from that to over 5 million with no, no advertising, no paid Amazing. ads. Wow. All organic. Why? Because... An IT pro saw the story, told another one, told another one, told, and it's just a human condition is what we do. It's a, it's a virality, if you will, uh, that it's organic because we want to share the stories that make sense. So that's how it's going to go. You're going to find engagement, and it's going to reach masses if you have you know, paid media even more, but that will be the immediate result. I also speak in my book about the, the different types of um, levels of metrics that you can use. 
definitely having like an integrated marketing plan, if you will, with storytelling, you'll see the same metrics. If it, mm -hmm. you know, it is the same idea of how do we reach our customers, but your CEO will immediately know your brand is being positioned differently in the market. At Microsoft, yeah. we became number one, the most valuable company against all of these contenders that have clearly, you know, place themselves in the, in the market. And our differentiator is empathy. And we talk about it openly. Our yeah. CEO talks about it uh, you know, openly. It's not our products. It's not, it's not all the things that we're doing, which we are and are great, but it's a human thing. So yeah. CEOs need to start thinking that way because that's what will position them the best way. Awesome. Um, so I'm sure our listeners will go out and buy a book after this, this interview. But can you share any tactics, like what goes into structuring a really good, engaging story? So like what you've done at Microsoft, what are some things they can do in their businesses to help them craft that content that gets eyeballs and, and attention? A little alchemy you want me to share? Okay. <laughs> yeah, please. Yes. Um, so the first thing is find the story settings. A lot of people know what storytelling is today. Uh, we know how to basically place it in the market, but we don't know uh, where we can start. And so starting with, first of all, evaluating your brand mission. If it doesn't work today, if it doesn't have the customer in it, change it. We did. Our, our brand mission at Microsoft was a PC on every desk in every home. It did not speak of customers. It talked about our products. We changed it. We began to talk about people, empower every person and organization on the planet. Change your brand narrative first. That's your baseline. Um, and don't be afraid to do it because if you don't, it'll be dissonant. The storytelling will not make sense to your customer. So start with the brand story and then begin to find the story settings. What do I mean by that? The brand story really is the brand mission, right? In its essence, this, the theme of why the, the, the brand stands, why, why is it, it exists. Um, when you think about that, you also think about the experiences that customers are having at every point. So example, I fly Alaska a whole lot. I, I've traveled a lot. And one time, and I talk about the story in the book, um, one time this pilot, we were, I was going from, from Seattle to Texas. Uh, it was a very early morning flight around five o'clock in the morning. And we had just taken off and, and he, you know, everybody was kind of snoozing. We were tired, trying to catch some sleep. And he came over the PA, interrupted us. And he's like, you know, folks, I'm sorry. I know it's early, but if you're on the left side of the plane, look out the window. You need to see this, right? And so I was on the left side. I opened the window and there is Mount Rainier. Uh, we're just basically passing by it. And it's just colors I've never seen in my life. It was just an incredible, beautiful moment, right? And I was like, wow, this is a brand story. This is they care because they, they 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 live and their mission is to care for people and the environment, and I was like, wow, he didn't have to do that, right? He he could have saved that moment for himself, but he thought of us. He's living the brand story. That is a story setting. That is storytelling activated. That he was living out the brand, and his customers recognized it. As soon as we landed, clearly everybody was you know sharing pictures, ha tagging the brand organically. That's what we do, right? So. That is a very good showcase of finding the story settings. Where can everybody who works at the brand at every level, the salesperson, the operations, the marketing, where can they say, wow, my story, the brand story is being activated right now. This is a story right here. Let's go tell it. Instead of just you know, trying to find people to tell the story, there's a story setting where you are. It's being activated where you are in your own space and your own discipline. So that's the first thing. The second thing is build your storytellers. Build an army of storytellers. Um, that will be advocate and live out your brand. So if there's a pe there's always people in finance, there's always people in marketing that are like, hey, I love what we do. I love how we do. They're fans of the brand. They are living out the stories. They have stories. They have finance stories. They have engineering stories. They may not be able to tell them. Ghost write them, 
right? Have somebody who can and bring them out and they can talk from finance to finance. And so somebody in another brand going, wow, this person in finance is talking on behalf of the brand. No longer do we want to hear just from the CEO, just from the PR person. Like we want humans talking to humans, right? So that is also be very intentional about who you're going to enable and empower. At Microsoft, we have an entire team, as I said, of storytellers. We have a summit where we meet once a year, storytellers. We are given the, the resources, the powers, the training, um, and we have a connected community. Build a community of storytellers. They don't necessarily have to be called storytellers, but it's your finance ambassador of story or whatever you want, and empower them with that idea of like, hey, you live out the story all the time. Tell it, talk about it, and that will give you content. You will have more content than you will ever know. And then the last one is think about the villains in the story. Who are these villains and antagonists that are taking your, uh, your brand story down? Uh, sometimes it's even ourselves. We block ourselves. Um, we allow the limitations of resources. I hear this a lot. Oh, we don't have budget. I didn't have budget, so that's not a thing. Uh, in this connected idea of phones that can give us a video that, that our Gen Zs love because it's organic, there's no excuse to not tell the story. There is no excuse. You can build a microsite and say, hey, tell me your story. Tell me why. And that's it. You have user-generated content. So there's, we can get very creative with storytelling. Storytelling is the mere telling a story. is the designing of the approach of story. So get, get the designing hat on first before you decide to tell. That's really interesting. And just, just on the topic of how you actually structure the story itself, like I've always learned you have the problem, you know, you kind of um, make the problem important, yeah. explain how you solved it, and then yeah. what's the lesson, whatever. Like, like, do you have any tips for our audience, maybe on social media in particular, how they can structure a story in a way that drives engagement? Yeah, so, so there's a basic story arc. Right, uh, like you mentioned, there's the exposition of the story, the beginning, and then there, there's the rising action, there's the climax, there's the, there's the falling action, the conclusion. Yeah. Does it need to be like that? No. What works? What your audience wants. There are thousands of ways to tell a story. There are multiple characters you can add, and I don't know the best way to tell you because I don't know your audience. It really is an empathetic approach, and it will land the best way. I hear a lot of people saying, "Use the hero's journey." That may not work in your space. So don't use the hero's journey, invent another journey. Um, I speak of eight basic techniques of storytelling. Those are basic techniques. You have the power and you should get creative with building what you think will work with your audience. If you need to start at the climax and then shock them and come back and start you know, from the beginning, yeah. do that. That's called immediate rest. Mm. So yes, there's a story arc. There are story elements. The most important thing is start with understanding what your audience needs to hear first, needs to know about your brand first and how you can go about it. You test it. So I speak about using design thinking for storytelling mm. because it's a prototyping approach. So it's not all baked and it's not, it's not like a lot of resources involved, low cost, low effort. And so you go through this cycle of you know ideation. So it's empathy, uh, defining, ideate, which is prototyping and then testing. So real quick, get into an idea of like, hey, let's just brainstorm real quick what could work, land it in social media, see if it works, and you'll see immediately if it does because people connect immediately. I mean, yeah. it is, yeah. um, and they do. So I just, it, it, so I tested myself, right, on social media with my own accounts. Like, <laughs> we went hiking yesterday, and, you know, we we found rattlesnakes, and it was just so scary, so I posted <laughs> it, and of course people got, in, you know, it's a story, right? It's like, yeah. whoa, that, that happened. And I didn't think I was going to get a lot of engagement, and I did because I my, my post was, I almost died, right? So it was just <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> um, and so, um, again, you know your audience. 
you should know your audience. Um, you can't be implementing. It's, a, it's as if I gave you, you know, uh, uh, something to wear and be like, oh, that's got that your wife is going to like that. I don't know what your wife yeah. is going to like. So you do and you should. And <laughs> so you go and wear whatever she likes. Uh, yeah. So that's that's exactly the approach is the empathy. Know what your audience wants to learn it. If you don't know it, spend time researching it and begin to test little pods here and there of stories uh, and see where it lands and how it lands. And if it doesn't land well, go back, redo it. Do it another angle, you know, introduce another character, hmm. uh, change the plot. There's a whole lot you can do the story. Yeah, that's that's designing of story, right? Yeah. Yeah, I guess I was saying to Martine, like every problem is a story. So with our luggage Absolutely. on arriving, so her luggage with our swag for the conference didn't oh, arrive. So good. And we posted something on LinkedIn, yeah. like a video of our kind of our vlog explaining what happened. Uh -huh. Next thing we had customers offering to bring us like clothes and these amazing cat t-shirts. Yeah. So positioning them as the hero. They were the hero yes. to help us as the brand. Perfect. And it was incredible. Yes. Um, I'm sure we'll have lots of uh, listeners wanting to get your book and read it. <laughs> Where can they find the book? Where's the best place to buy it? Yeah, so uh, both places. So in koganpage.com, which is the uh, the publisher site, you'll find it there. And also Amazon will have it. It is not available yet until March 31st. So March 31st, 30 days, it'll be available. I did bring some here for uh, the conference, so it's pre-sale. Um, but yeah, really excited. There's a lot of techniques I'll share there. Uh, I also speak about ethics in storytelling, which once you find the power, that you sheer power that you have in your hands, you're like, whoa, I can really manipulate everyone and like take over the world. Should I take over the world? Uh, so I talk about ethics in storytelling and also the power of vulnerability, um, where we it's like that thing we don't speak of, right? So talking really about getting vulnerable is to tell the best stories and we'll put a link to that in the show notes thank you so Mary what are your thoughts do you think advertising is going to be dead by 2025 I don't think so at all I think there's always an opportunity uh, to share you know consumers know we exist and why we exist and we want to sell them something um, they just want to be feeling empowered uh, as part of the process that they are the ones making that decisions not the brand so advertising just needs to come from an empathetic approach there's a space for it if it feels that we are telling this generation what to do, they will reject it. If it feels that we're sharing and want to friend them and we are becoming not just human, we're becoming friends with them and want to woo them, they will tune in. Uh, and beyond that, they want to know what we're doing beyond products and services, how we are helping the environment, how we're going to uh, leave a legacy, if you will, uh, because they connect to the brand and say, I'm part of that legacy. It's called buying with intention. If I choose to buy those pairs of shoes, I'm representing that brand and what it stands for. So really having an introspective journey in 2025 of where the brand's going to go next uh, and what will be their stance so that this next generation can tune in and say, wow, you know, the shirt, when I buy the shirt, 10% goes to this organization and I stand for that organization or that social activism approach. It's very risky at the same time. If you stand for one thing, you may not stand for the other. So be prepared for that idea of where this brand will stand and what that means to society if it stands for one thing or not the other. Uh, I think it's almost the uh, same approach we had many years ago, 15 years ago, when we decided which platform, chan social media channel, channel we're going to go into. Should we be on Facebook? Should we be on this? It's the same kind of thinking of strategy of how do we land our next advertising, our next commercial, our next move uh, in a way that lands and it doesn't feel that we're forcing it. Okay, so just to end off, where can people find you on social media? Yes, so uh, Twitter um, and Instagram at Miri Rod, M-I-R-I-R-O-D, and LinkedIn. So, you know, LinkedIn got so big lately. It's so weird. It's like everything goes viral on LinkedIn. I woke up one day and I had like over 
10,000 followers. I'm like, what just happened? Um, so very, very active on LinkedIn. Um, I like LinkedIn because then I can see who I'm connected with and I can really have a smart conversation on Twitter and Instagram. It's a little bit um, more, uh, more, more casual, uh, but all three. Uh, and definitely you can email me as well. So miri at mirirod.com. And just, just one question, just to end off. If there's one piece of advice you could give to others starting a business today, what would that be? Oh, gosh, please use empathy as the skill set that you will need to drive your business. It is a soft skill, you know, something that has been embedded in you. Certainly was not for me, and I'm, I can tell you I'm more empathetic than I was three years ago. My sister's here, because she can probably tell you too. I, I tend to be harsh and ruthless, says my son, but I, I'm, I'm getting better. <laughs> it's, I'm, tell, I'm preaching, I'm preaching to, to you because I'm living this right now. Empathy will definitely be a differentiator in everything that comes with empathy. There's cognitive empathy, emotional empathy, compassionate empathy. There are layers of empathy to uncover. Everyone who's really trying to not only keep their, their brand afloat or their agency afloat, but really thrive in this ever-changing landscape will be definitely driven by how does this feel to the person next to me? Is it landing the way that we want them to feel? And understanding that everybody's feeling something differently. That's very important. And Gavin, having gone through it yourself, what advice would you give to people starting a business today? Um, I, think, I think in a world where there's so much choice, I think it's really hard to start a business these days. You know, there's so many options, really easy to start a new product. Obviously using Microsoft, Azure, Amazon Web Services, it's really easy. So you have to stand out. I think the only way you can be different is to embrace and share your learnings along the way. So really not be perfect. Stop trying to be so perfect all the time. Like when I started, I, I pretended Sendle was this massive company. I created a fake, a fake employee called Lisa, pretending we were this big, big organization. But I think what it really comes down to is if you can just be that person, be real, be authentic, share your human story, your challenges, you'll then build a following that is rooting for you along that journey. Yes. And they'll buy into your brand and they'll come along for the ride. I see so many founders making this perfect company, kind of sugarcoating everything, saying we instead of I when it's just one person. I think you have to just be human and be real and just be, I think be yourself is key. And when you become authentic, people empathize with you and they want you to win. So empathy is the theme. Brilliant. So thank you very much, Miri and Gavin. And I will let you now enjoy your breakfast. Thank you. Yes, it's now cold, but that's okay. I'll have it anyway. Thank you. (laughs) 